This is my first opportunity to preach this year. And right off the bat, I, you know, believe it or not, I put all my usual stuff together and none of it worked this morning. So, so I have to go back to the old fashioned way of doing things. I'll just have to bring my Bible and preach from the uh, word of God. And uh, let me also say that I've always had kind of mixed feelings about doing the PowerPoints. Um, I do it because it gives us all the same translation to read together, but it isn't an excuse for you not to bring your Bible to church. Right? Right? You, you should bring your Bible to church, and you should have it there, and you should look, whatever translation it may happen to be that you like to read or, or normally read from, um, you can have it there. But um, anyway, that's, uh, that's the direction that we'll have to go this morning. And uh, so anyway, good morning and happy 2023. And here we go. Who knows what the Lord has for us in this year. But I do have a word for us, for us to, uh, to encourage us along the way. And it comes from the, uh, the book of Philippians. Now it kind of falls in line with something that is totally customary for the day that we are celebrating here today. Because what, what is, when you think of New Year's Day... What is the most common thing that is a part generally of New Year's Day? What football? Okay, that's that's close. Sleep? Did someone say? Uh, okay. Well, you can do that. That's what people usually do while I'm out here. So you know, I must just take advantage of this opportunity here this morning. Um, no. How about resolutions? Right. Resolutions, how many have made resolutions or are contemplating a resolution or, you know, thinking about making a resolution, right? It's just a common thing that happens because it's like this sense that everything is brand new and here we go and I got a fresh start. And so we, we think in terms of resolutions and not a bad thing. Unfortunately, most of them are pretty much shot by the end of January. Right, so I I didn't lose the 27 pounds that I wanted to lose within the first five days of like eating a little bit less, and so that's it. Forget it. I'm frustrated. I'm done. I'm out. Right. So we whatever it may happen to be. I want to lose 20 pounds. I want to read my Bible more. I want to spend more time with my family. I want to work harder. I want to make more money. I, you know, whatever it may happen to be. Lots of different kind of initiatives that come to mind at the beginning of the year. What? Should I apply myself to more this year? And we tend, to, uh, we tend to make resolutions. And like I said, they don't usually stick. They don't usually last too long. Although in contemplating or in thinking about this this morning, I realized that I, I, I think I can recall one New Year's resolution that I made that has stuck for me. And uh, amazingly so, and thankfully so, because the uh, New Year's resolution that I made in, in Interesting to kind of reflect back upon it was in 1978. In 1978, for whatever reason, it was on my heart to, uh, to make a New Year's resolution that I, this year I want to get to know more about Jesus. Now that was a Holy Spirit thing, for sure, because I was not walking with the Lord. I was anything but walking with the Lord at that point, although God was happening to me. In other words, I could be sitting in a bar talking to somebody, and the subject of Jesus would pop up. You know, like the Lord would just kind of, he, he was just working on me. He was on me at that particular point. And um, of course, I didn't, I didn't understand at that point any of the dynamics of how the Spirit of God works in our lives and speaks to us and leads us, you know what I mean, all of that. And, well, none of that was known to me. I was just a, a Catholic kid 
grew up a Catholic kid, had a certain amount of love and fascination or desire, wanted to just know something more about Jesus. And it was in that year that, um, well, Lorraine and I had our our, uh, catastrophic breakup, and that brought Lorraine to the Lord, and then Lorraine brought me to the Lord. And so the uh, the New Year's resolution, and it kind of fits in with this passage that I want to share with you this morning, um, the, New, the New Year's resolution that I made uh, to, to want to get closer to the Lord in 1978 has lasted. I'm still, uh, I'm still in that New Year's resolution because I still want to learn more about Jesus and get to know the Lord better, right? And uh, it, it's kind of in the same vein as uh, what I want to read for you this morning, because I think the, this passage here kind of falls into a, the category of something like a resolution. A resolution is like a firm commitment that you make right inside where you say uh, you, you are resolved to do something fresh or new or different or whatever it may happen to be. That's by nature what a resolution is. And Paul um, has a a resolution. He has made a resolution here in chapter 3. He's been writing to these people, and these these people are very special. He's uh, writing to these people from Philippi. Philippi is a town in uh, Asia Minor in Greece. And um, they've been very mindful of him and very helpful to him. They've supported him. They've continued to send him money and send him resources and kind of keep track of him as he's been going through um, his various different uh, trips to these these churches. He actually started the work in this church. If you recall in the book of Acts, it says that the Lord spoke to him in a dream or the Lord brought a dream to him. And in the dream, he saw this man from Macedonia. And the man from Macedonia was saying, come and help us. And so this was like the key to, to Paul, like moving in that particular direction. And when he gets to that city in Philippi, he finds all kinds of interesting things that are going on, all kinds of like amazing experiences happen to him. But this is also the place where he gets arrested and thrown in jail. And it's the whole story of the midnight jailhouse rock and, and all, all of these great stories. All of that happened in Philippi. But he had many friends there, and, and um, the Lord had done a great work there, and, and uh, so much had been accomplished in that church, and, uh, and they had been mindful of him and his needs and his challenges and his situations all, all the way along. So they were, they, were very, uh, they were very dear to him. And so he's writing this letter to them, and I'll, I'll almost bet that there are at least a few people here this morning who know what the theme of the book of Philippians is. Anybody want to take a crack at it? There it is. It's rejoicing, right? It's joy and rejoicing. And that famous verse of scripture in the fourth chapter, I think, where he says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice, right? And, and he, is, he is offering this. And to make this even more interesting, he happens to be in jail or under house arrest in Rome while he's writing this book. So it makes it just that much more interesting that under those circumstances, in that situation, nevertheless, he is still writing to these people from Philippi, and he is encouraging them that they should always rejoice in their faith and rejoice in the Lord. And I feel like that's not a bad little um, goal for 2023, right? To learn to rejoice in the Lord always, because they're, they're like I said uh, at the beginning, um, I have no idea where things are going right now. Things are so chaotic. There's, there, there's so much falsehood. There's so much deception. And, and there's, there's, there's blatant and flagrant deception. People get on television and lie 
People come before Congress and lie through their teeth, and everybody knows it's a lie, and we're all supposed to believe it, even though we all know it's, it's, it. That's the kind of time that we're living in. So it's a weird time. And uh, it kind of reminds me, I think a couple of years ago, we, we, uh, um, I shared that verse of Scripture on a, on a New Year's morning about... Um, for darkness will cover the earth and gross darkness, but um, arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Behold, darkness shall cover over the earth and gross darkness the people, but the Lord will arise upon you. Isaiah chapter, I think, 61. And so that whole thing that like, okay, so if it gets dark, and it is, it's getting dark in our culture. Um, as that happens, no problem. Because for us, that just makes the light that we have and the light that we are shine a little bit more brightly and hopefully will attract more and more people to the Lord. So anyway, Paul is writing to these people and he's going through this whole section where he talks about his own life. And I, and, and I think um, if there's a, a fundamental to this, the first thing, because he, he wants them to experience this joy that he has found in Christ. And, and, that, and, and he realizes that this joy is fundamental to being a successful believer. To, to, to walk in joy is the pathway to become um, a successful believer because even like in the Old Testament when Ezra gathers all these people together, he says, don't weep, don't cry. They're coming back. They're looking at this temple. The temple is nothing like the one that they knew before. It's, they're kind of disappointed and discouraged and all kinds of things and, and yet they're coming back to restore things. But he says, it, but it's the joy of the Lord that is your strength, right? And we're encouraged and I think I, Isaiah chapter 11 that with joy you shall draw water out of the well of your salvation. So, his theme is joy. He wants them to experience this joy. He's writing to them to, to um, encourage them how these, this joy is available. And he shares a considerable amount uh, regarding his own experience. And he's looking back over his life. And Paul's life had been like, Paul had been somewhat of a superstar, a, certainly a rising star in the Jewish community right around this time. He was a member, he had sat under the feet of a famous teacher named Gamaliel. He had been well-trained in Hebrew and in, the, in all the Old Testament scriptures. Um, he, he was a, a, an aspiring young rabbi who was making some serious moves, trying to move to the top of his world, right, in the, in the whole Jewish council. And, uh, and, and he writes about it when he talks about, um, when he talks about his past. So, so let me read this little passage from Philippians chapter 3, and then we will um, we'll focus on the one thought that I want to share with you as far as 2023. Chapter 3. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Now, this, one, this, this portion of the um, text may be a little offensive to some people. It says, look out for the dogs. So I know we have dog lovers with us this morning, but of course, these are not canines that he's talking about, but these are um, wicked people who are trying to mislead them down a wrong path. And so he says, um, beware of the dogs, look out for the evildoers, look out for those who mutilate the flesh. And he's referring to the Judaizers that are coming around. The Judaizers want to make sure that everybody 
um, has been circumcised. This is critical from their point of view. This, this is an, an essential. They ha- this has to happen. This is the error that they're teaching, that they are, they're bringing to this group of new believers that they now have to follow the Jewish customs, the Jewish law. And Paul is saying, look out for these people because they're going to lead you down the wrong road. They're going to bring you into legalistic bondage. So anyway, he says, look out for the dogs, look out for the evildoers, look out for those who mutilate the flesh. And that he's referring there to uh, circumcision. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Now again, when he's talking about confidence in the flesh, he's talking about a sense of satisfaction or assurance that I in myself am doing enough and I am good enough and I am meeting all of God's expectations for my life and I'm doing it on, I'm doing it on my own. Okay, and he's talking about if anybody has that kind of confidence, and of course that's, that's a place that many people try to get to. How can I do enough things just to make God happy? How can I just do enough things just to kind of know that I'm cool with God, that, I, that, it's, that, you know, that we're, we're okay and I'm on the right track? And so we strive, we work, we do all kinds of things. We, we try, we do good works, we give money, we, whatever it may happen to be, to, to think somehow that um, we will be able to... Um, impress God or please God or do what God wants, when in reality, like nothing that we can do in the flesh is something that is satisfactory to God. Anything that I can accomplish in my own self will fall beneath God's standard. No matter how well or perfectly or good I do it, it never meets God's standard because God's standard is perfect. And I'm not that. When I, I read something on the way into this where a guy said... Uh, This is going to be a good year for me because nobody's perfect and I'm nobody, so I'm perfect. <laughs> I'm going to try to get that one dusted off there a little bit. <clears throat> anyway, so, um, so he's saying if anybody would have a reason to be confident that they had done all the right stuff, that they had met or exceeded all the expectations and they were good with God, I would have more than anybody would have. And then he goes on to talk about all the things that he did. He says, um, circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews um, as to the law. Oh, I'm sorry, a Hebrew of Hebrews as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Okay, so he just checked all the boxes. He just checked all the boxes that he knew about as a Jewish believer that God would be concerned about, and he went through them all, and and he's listing his credential. He's he's, uh, giving you his pedigree, so to speak, of why it is that he should be able to just simply be relaxed and say, I'm good with God. I've done all the right stuff. So he goes through that whole list of things. He says, um, yeah, circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, Hebrew of Hebrews as to the law, a Pharisee, a persecutor of the church. In other words, so zealous he was that he persecuted the church as to living a righteous life under the law. I'm blameless, he said. Nobody has any accusation or indictment towards me. But he gets to this. He says, but whatever gain I had, 
I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surprising or surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes from faith, uh, through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. So the first thing in terms of going forward and, and entering into what God has for us this year, the first thing to do is forget the past. Forget the good past, forget the bad past. There's two places that the devil wants to take believers. One is in the past. Because there he can beat you up for the dumb stuff that you did or the bad stuff that you did or the rotten things that you did somewhere along it. And, and, and those things can kind of come back and you feel guilty about it and you feel bad about it. So the devil loves to get you to go back into those things that where, you, where you strayed or erred or did wrong or what have you. And you know what? Nothing can be done about that. That can't be changed. As a matter of fact, it's kind of an insult to Christ Jesus for me to go back and ponder my past because he's the guy that paid for it and it's all done and it's all finished. So the best thing, the most important thing to do, because he's, gonna, he's going back to his past and he's looking at the bad things, I persecuted the church. He actually, in, in the book of Galatians, he goes into this whole thing. He says, I was the greatest, I'm the chiefest of sinners because I persecuted the church of Christ and wasted it. He had people in prison, in prison and, uh, and all kinds of things. So he had done seriously bad things in the past and he had done seriously good things in the past. He had been honored. He had, was, as I said, a rising star in the Jewish community and um, was becoming well-known and was so zealous for, um, for his faith and for his relationship with God that he was out to snuff out this new upstart religion that, that was surrounding Jesus until the, Lord, um, until the Lord got a hold of his heart. So anyway, um, so the first, first step in what God has for us for 2023 is forget the past, let it go, and see what God has now. Like if, if though, no, nothing back there can be of, of any, uh, well, it's just, it's just not where God wants us to be, okay? And the other place where the devil wants to, to take you is out to your future and scare you about all the fearful things that are coming down the road. And the place where grace is, is right here, today, right in this moment that I'm living. That's where the grace of God is to be um, received and applied right here in this very moment, this time that I'm living. So don't let, it, don't let the devil take you back there and don't let him freak you out about what's coming down the road. But Paul says, I, all that stuff, I count all of that, all the good that I did, all the bad that I did, I count it all now as just rubbish, as just dung compared to the value of having, to come to, having now come to know Christ Jesus as my Lord. That is a more surpassing, valuable, worthy benefit and blessing than anything that could even begin to be compared with all the things that, are, that were in the past. So um, now here's, here's, the, here's where his um, resolve is, right? And, and this is, to me, this is a very, very encouraging passage of scripture because how many are, are, are either completely or, either, or partially perfectionistic types, okay? 
And that, that can be quite a burden, right? Because unfortunately, nobody's perfect, right? And so when we have these perfectionistic or uh, tendencies, life can be unsatisfying because you're always working, you're trying to get to this certain level, certain level of satisfaction, and you just can't ever get there. And, um, and Paul is identifying the fact that even after all these years, I'm not there yet. And that encourages me a lot, that if Paul, who, if we were to list the most important people from God's point of view who have ever walked this earth, number one would be, of course, the Lord Jesus. And Paul might be number two. He wrote a good deal of the New Testament, right? Moses would be, I think it would be somewhat of a competition between Paul and Moses as to who is the second most important person who ever lived. But he has communicated. When you go to heaven, you're going to go, where's Paul? I got I to talk to this guy. I got to thank him for all the stuff that he went through because he paid a price so that you and I would have the word of God. He paid a great price. He was hounded and dogged and stoned and left for dead. I mean, he, he lists all of those things. And part of the, the, whole, um, the whole route that he took or the, the, the road that he took um, was bringing him along, but he is gonna let us know, listen, I didn't get there yet. And you know what? None of us have gotten there quite yet, but there is something that we can do to resolve, like Paul did, that I'm not going to lose my focus on what it is that I'm after, because I'm after the reason that God is after me. I'm after the power that God, I'm after the accomplishment or the attainment for which Christ Jesus laid hold of me, right? And so that, that, is, his, that is his resolution. So here's what he says. Not that I have already attained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. I, I, I like the language of the New King James. I do not consider that I have apprehended this or laid hold of this. I, I don't have it quite yet, but I got it in my focus. I got it in my scope. It's in my sights, and so I'm after it with everything that I got. And so he says, I do not consider that I have made it my own or apprehended it, but one thing I do. Here's the resolution, right? One thing, that's what a New Year's resolution is, right? It, it is kind of like, you, gee, if you think through all the things that are important to you, I know what I'm going to do. I am going to focus on this one thing right here, this one thing I'm going to do this year. So here's the one thing that you can focus on or put your attention on for this particular year. He says, um, yeah, here we go. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if anything else you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have already attained. And so it's a matter of taking stock of what I got, taking, so, okay, here's what the Lord, I, this happens to me pretty much on a daily basis. We had, we had quite a week this week. Um, because fortunately, um, I have already Thank the Shidlows because the, the Shidlows saved us trouble like you wouldn't believe because just before we, we were leaving here last week uh, when we were done with our um, Saturday night 
Christmas Eve thing. And just before we walked out, I guess one of your little boys went into the boy's room to pee and the toilet was frozen. Uh Uh-oh. Okay, so something's not right. And so I guess you um, one of your sons came told you, so John comes and tells me this before we were going over to uh, the Vanderplugs to sing him a couple of Christmas carols. And, um, and so John comes over and says, oh, j- just so you know, um, the, no water is um, running in the ladies' sinks in that upstairs bathroom. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> you and th- we have had our, our share of catastrophes around here for sure. So they, they kind of like happen every once in a while. They just kind of keep you, you know, it, it's just part of the whole picture. It's the way that it is. So anyway, we go over there. I'm thinking, okay, um, usually that's not a particularly good thing. So, okay, we go over there. We do that. I come back here. I got a whole house full of people, but I'm over there because I'm thinking we got to loosen what, whatever's happening there. We got to get some heat on this. And so I'm, I'm dragging heaters from here to there and hair dryers and stuff like trying to, you know, trying to warm up some pipes and stuff. But nothing, nothing is happening. I got the sinks um, upstairs on and I'm looking for just some sign of a little drip or some, you know, break in the, in it so that the ice will break down and, and start. Anyway, so. I'm playing, but no, nothing's happening. Uh, this is Christmas Eve, so I'm probably here, probably here for a couple of hours just trying to get things to see if we can get it loosened up, but it doesn't loosen up. And I keep on coming back throughout the night, and it's still not loosened up, and it's still frozen. And, and I don't even, I'm not even quite sure what the story is yet, but I got heat on downstairs and heat upstairs and heat all over the place, and I'm looking. All, anyway, so I come back here a few, like probably two or three times during the night just to see what's happening. Next morning, come back over, everything is okay. And um, nothing has nothing has broken loose yet, and so I go back over to the house, and we're doing Christmas morning stuff, and uh, so I come. Uh, we're just about ready to leave for my sons to go over uh, to spend some time Christmas Day with him, and I go up here and I walk through that door, and it is water everywhere. Okay, and how many know that wonderful feeling, right? <laughs> Right, and so, but the good the good side is if if you guys had never mentioned that, okay, I would never have even gone into that room again. We would have had water flowing in up there for hours and hours and maybe days, just flooding that entire room. We actually probably are not rebuilding that whole room because of the fact that your little boy went and peed into a toilet with so frozen. <laughs> God works in wonderful ways, right? So we can, we can be thankful to God because we would have had one heck of a disaster. So anyway, got it cleaned up and the furnace broke down. All kinds of weird things have happened. But to be honest with you, this whole place to me is a constant thing where I walk in and I go like, God, I can't believe what you're doing here. I can't believe, how do I find myself in the middle of this? How did this all, how did, how did such, good, such good things are happening? And so he's saying, you know, um, keeping a... a let us, let us walk according to what we have already attained. So in other words, I got, I got everything that God has given me and I'm, I got it in tow and I'm, I'm keeping it together and, and we're moving it along. Maybe that's your family, maybe that's your business, maybe that's your life, maybe that's your habits. You know, I'm, 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 I'm getting, I'm, I'm trying to bring this picture all underneath the sovereign lordship of Jesus Christ in all these different areas. And so we got all that together, and then straining forward, I press on, he says, for to, so that I may lay hold of what it is that Christ Jesus has laid hold of me for. And I think that is just the place where it, it, it is a resolution, a New Year's resolution, that God will help you keep. 
That's a big part of that whole thing too. Because in, earlier on in this book, he's, Paul says this, I know whom I've believed, that he's able to keep that which I have committed unto himself against that day. In other words, Paul is saying my confidence in, in, and my security in my salvation and, and the commitments that I have made to the Lord, I have a confidence that those things will be, I will be able to maintain those things because I know who I believe in. And I know that he is able to help me to keep those things that I have pledged or promised unto himself against that day. So when you make a resolution like this, now this one, as I, as I started off by saying, this one has now lasted for about 40, 44 years. This resolution that came 1978. I want to get to know more about Jesus. We're still learning. Not that I have already attained, not that we've got it all together, not that we've all, you know, that we're living on this high level of perfection, spiritual perfection, spiritual maturity. It's not about that. It is about just moving forward and taking that next step and that next step and that next step and whatever it may happen to be where the Lord is taking you to go there in confidence, with joy, with rejoicing, knowing that the God who is bringing you along is going to be faithful and able and capable of bringing you to that final place where you will cross the line with victory and with joy and with stuff to be able to be rejoiced over eternally. 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 Every little thing that we are doing and working on will have eternal ramifications. And so this one thing I do, Paul says, forgetting the stuff that's behind, all the good stuff, yeah, when I, people thought I was all this and all that, and uh, I accomplished this, and everybody was praising me for this and that, I left it all behind. It's all just done to me now. It's all just garbage. Because what is really important now is that I have an opportunity to lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. Hallelujah. So that's the New Year's resolution message that we have for you this morning. This one thing that I do, or this one thing I do. So he had reduced it all down. I got one item on my agenda. I got one box to check. And that box is to um, wholeheartedly devote myself to the Lordship and to the purpose of God for my life.